This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. When Congress began baking endless spending increases into its budgeting process, deficits, as far as the eye could see, became almost inevitable. So says economist Ed Lopez of Western Carolina University. We spoke in Massachusetts in June. How do you define the modern budget era? The modern budget era, first of all, is anchored to when the modern era budget era begins, which is 1974 and forward. Um, It's a problem, the modern budget era problem, firstly because we have over that roughly 50 years a pattern of chronic deficits happening every year except for four years, and that's happening in normal times as well as in emergency times. And as a consequence of that, we have uh, rising levels of public debt year to year throughout that 50-year period. But uh, interestingly, there's a second component to the modern budget era problem, which is over this same 50 years, we have major legislative attempts by past Congresses to control and instill fiscal discipline into subsequent Congresses. So the problem is taking two of these together. We've had chronic deficits and mounting debt, despite efforts to do the opposite. What were some of those attempts? Graham Redman? That's one of the major ones. Um, Graham Rudman is uh, the source for what um, folks who follow these issues uh, recognize as sequestration. That is the idea that if a future Congress does not uh, meet certain criteria for deficit control, then automatic spending cuts to some extent across the board, but major exceptions. Another big piece of that legislation was the, uh, what the, the concept that's known as PAYGO. So listeners who are familiar with, say, the president of the United States making a large spending proposal and saying it's paid for, uh, the the president's making that claim because of this rule in PAYGO that uh, additional deficit spending must be uh, financed before it can be proposed. To the extent that we've had these large efforts to rein in spending, trying to, for a current Congress to try to rein in future Congresses, uh, it's a knot that they can always untie, right? You can't tie a knot that a future can't, Congress can't untie. That's right. And that's a good analogy for it. Um, another one, another way to put this is um, it's almost impossible to argue that a current Congress can tie the fiscal decisions of future Congresses during emergency situations. So every one of these attempts at fiscal discipline does contain provisions for unusual circumstances. Now, what ends up happening because of political incentives is those exceptions um, become loophole mined. And one of the ways that we can tell that there's been a lot of loophole mining is uh, just the mere complexity uh, of the budget and the process that it follows. Um, and the need, therefore, for experts to be in control. Uh, but um, if I can jump to the question of what brought us to the modern budget era, the, the answer needs to be found um, in much earlier times. And what, um, what we find when we look at the late decades of the 19th century is uh, a shift of fiscal norms. What does that mean? There's a shift in the polity, general attitudes on Main Street, uh, on Wall Street, and along Pennsylvania Avenue, that um, the scope of the federal budget 
needs to be larger than it has been up to this point, up to this time. And we can identify two main categories where this scope has grown uh, by the by this shift of norms. One category is um, can be described as household level economic security. So um, we have a shift of the norm in the late 19th century that that's a proper function of the federal government and the budget. And then we have a formalization of that into uh, legislation that includes the Social Security Act in 1935, but also includes others. The other category that we identify with this shift of norms is macroeconomic stability. And so we see the formalization of that by turn in the 1913 Federal Reserve Act, and again later in the 1946 Employment Act, which um, listeners who are familiar with the Fed's dual mandate um, can trace that back to the 1946 Employment Act, which um, uh, assumes on behalf of the federal government full employment and price stability in the economy. So this story that begins in the late decades of the 19th century of the shift of norms and the formalization of those into expectations and responsibilities of the federal budget, that sets the stage for the modern budget era. And that's one way to explain why we have had 50 years of deficits despite 50 years of attempts to control it. To the extent that the government has assumed these responsibilities, uh, you argue that the, the modern budget era, the idea of deficits as far as the eye can see, it was just, you say that's just a natural outcome. It's the outcome of baking in expectations of spending into the budget. In some cases, those expectations are um, on automatic spending increases. That's in the area of what we call entitlements, Social Security, Medicare, and a few other programs. Um, the benefits formulas of those are written such that we have on autopilot uh, guaranteed increases in spending in those categories, unless policy towards those programs changes. So that's one way of understanding why we have had this record of um, chronic deficits and mounting debt. And in fact, if you look at the, if you break down the budget into the share of the budget that is discretionary spending and versus the share of the budget that is mandatory spending, the mandatory side is on entitlement programs that are on autopilot. Over the past 50 years, that percentage of the budget has steadily increased, whereas on the discretionary side, that percentage of the budget has steadily decreased. If you graph it, you'll see an X of those two together. So um, yeah, it is tied, the, the modern budget era problem is tied to the formal legislative baking in of required future spending increases. That sounds pretty grim in terms of making honest, forthright attempts to restrain spending, um, should I take it that your view is that spending effectively cannot be constrained as long as these laws are on the books, that is to say the Federal Reserve Act and uh, the act you mentioned in 1946? As a political economist, I do see paths forward, but they are very, very difficult paths forward because of the situation being so severe. We know that it's a severe situation. The Congressional Budget Office has, for years, every year, projected out a worsening uh, fiscal scenario with the prospects of fiscal crisis, Congress not being able to pay its bills, 
financial crisis, interest rates climbing, uh, an economic crisis, uh, investment slowing, and recession happening. These are all things that have been predicted for uh, from the, to come from the modern budget era problem, and they're not news. However, we have seen difficult situations experience reform in the past, and in principle, I do think it's possible for paths forward to uh, avert um, those uh, really bad consequences that the CBO is talking about. However, it's a difficult path forward because um, it's going to start at the individual voter and household level, and it's going to start at the individual congressional district, and it's going to say in those places and many more, we have to look at uh, loose money and loose budgets as having very um, powerful negative spillover effects so that making oneself's situation better off through loose money Households um, get to have their home values propped up by loose money. They also get to have their retirement portfolios propped up by loose money. There's a negative spillover effect to that enjoyment. And uh, in a way, it's the, that, that negative spillover effect is the inflation problem that we're all experiencing now. So the path forward starts with owning and being accountable for those negative spillover effects when at the individual level, we participate in fiscal largesse. Ed Lopez is a professor of economics at Western Carolina University. We spoke in Massachusetts in June. Please give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>